0: Hello, hello, it's Frick DeVard and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Welcome back. For today's episode, we're actually going to bring it back to my conversation with Donnie Davy, one of my favorite guests on Naked Beauty. She is the makeup artist behind Euphoria. You guys know when Euphoria debuted, all anyone could talk about was Euphoria makeup and the Euphoria makeup looks. And I tracked Donnie Davy down like I have never done for any guest before. She was um filming on Underground Railroad. I sent emails. I, I mean, I was like all over it. And I was actually... Her very first podcast ever, which I'm very honored to have uh, played that role for her. And it was such a great interview and conversation. And I'm just always reminded like very truly creative people like they're artists, they have a point of view about their art and makeup is a specific way that you express your art. And the work on Euphoria is just absolutely unreal. She also is the makeup artist for Moonlight, one of my favorite films of all time. And all of the skin in Moonlight is just gorgeous. So she talks about how she got all of the actors to just like glisten, which I loved hearing about. She used lots of natural oils, which I'm not surprised to hear. And, you know, Donnie and I have kept up since we recorded this episode and she's done like little collaborations. She did one with Facelace where she had these amazing eye decals. I used them over Halloween But now she's launching her own makeup brand. It's called Half Magic. I'm very excited about it. I don't know when it's going to like officially, officially launch, but I think that's going to be unreal because she has a great point of view about makeup and she really understands formulations and what's going to last on your skin and what's going to make impact on your skin. And I'm just overall fascinated by the way that hair and makeup is used for storytelling. Now, I have to call out the hair on this season, of Euphoria because Kim Kimball, you guys probably know her work on like Beyonce's Lemonade visual album. Like, She is doing incredible things with the hair this season. I need to reach out to her to get her on Naked Beauty because I want to hear all about the Euphoria hair that she's been doing. But I just think it's so fascinating how hair, makeup, and costume is used for storytelling. Now, I have to touch on the plot and the subject matter of Euphoria a little bit Now, if I didn't have a beauty podcast, I could 100% have a TV podcast. I love talking about TV. If you guys follow me on my personal account, Brooke DeVard, you know I'm always talking about television, but the subject matter for Euphoria this season is so much darker to me, but I've realized what's changed. When I watched season one, I was not yet a mother. It was 2020, I believe, when it came out. Yeah. I don't even, th- was I pregnant? I guess I was pregnant, but I was not a mother. Now I watch this show and I can barely breathe because I am so nervous for these teenagers at Euphoria High. Like I am actively worried about Rue, like actively, actively worried about her. Can't sleep at night after certain episodes. And it's interesting because I made this whole big deal about the fact that I couldn't finish Squid Games because it was just too disturbing. And yet, I still continue watching Euphoria, and it is very disturbing, but I'm in it for the storytelling and all of the beautiful visual things that are happening. I think it's very rare to see this level of just cinematography and experimentation on a television series that's usually reserved for movies, and the acting is just unreal. I mean, Zendaya's performance is incredible give her all of the awards for this season and i I love all the other characters i love lexi and fezco i'm i'm a euphoria fan this episode will be interesting to you even if you have never watched euphoria in your life because donnie's story is the story of a creative person who used her talent and hard work and drive to you know find an outlet for her skill set and i think that's very inspiring i hope you guys enjoy the episode let's get into it Donnie, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I have literally been like stalking you since I looked actually at my first email I sent to you. It was in September of 2019. So this has been like almost like a year in the making, but you've been so busy working on so many amazing projects. But I'm just like such a fan of your work. Thank you so much. (laughs) I have to just begin like your impact on beauty culture, not even just beauty culture, your impact on culture. It's kind of like just like next level beyond. Um, And it's weird because you even acknowledge yourself that Euphoria makeup existed before you did the show. It was something that you were seeing like Gen Z girls do. But then you kind of like brought it to the screen in a way where now people are doing like interpretations of Euphoria makeup and just the impact in global culture like i follow the euphoria makeup hashtag do you follow that hashtag
1: yeah i do and like he <laughs> looks
0: from like you know like south africa from russia from all over the world yeah i went to the teen vogue summit that was like back in september i
1: know i couldn't be there i was so sad
0: but this is the thing donnie there were like celebrities like real like big celebrities <laughs> on stage speaking telling their life story and the line for the euphoria makeup was wrapped around <laughs> the block like no one was getting out of line for anyone on stage it was wow. like a, it was like this main attraction but it's like do you ever just take a moment and just like think about the impact that your work has had on culture and just like take it in like wow
1: during the past couple of weeks or several weeks since since quarantine started i've had the opportunity to sit back and think about it for the first time and it's like whoa yeah. Like I didn't expect this. I didn't sign up for this. You know, I wasn't thinking like, oh, these, these looks will do that. And they'll have that power. And then I'll be like, recognized, like, no, I just, it like knocked me back. I've been working. I think, as you know, in Georgia on the underground railroad, which is Barry Jenkins, um, it's yes. his next project that has been such a hard and amazing job to be a part of. I was like, totally just focused on that, you know, like running the makeup department, my eyes have to be like on the prize. I I really couldn't get too much too sort of like distracted by what was going on with euphoria, but it was like these two different worlds. Like I was like, Oh my God, right. <laughs> crazy. But like, I just, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't really take any opportunities. I did like a couple like email and phone interviews, like on the weekends, but I just like really had to put my blinders on and focus on my job. So yeah, now I've been able to kind of sit back and just be like holy shit what is going on I know um, but it's it's really rewarding to see um just to get into like my my like dms and messages and just read from kids who are like thank you I feel seen now I feel yes. like it's okay for me to do these makeup looks on myself now.
0: A hundred percent. And I think there was almost like, there was this kind of like wave, like maybe a year ago, two years ago, I feel like Glossier made it really popular of like the no makeup makeup look where makeup was supposed to be subtle and not too much. Right. And then euphoria comes out and it's like, bam, like, no, actually there's a time and a place. <laughs> and and what yeah. I love about it is that there doesn't have to be this grand occasion. Like you can just put like rhinestones okay. on your eyelids and neon just
1: because. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's so what I got hired to do really by Sam, the writer, the director and creator of Euphoria. He really wanted me to use this platform, this global mainstream platform, HBO, Mm -hmm. to push forward this concept of makeup as self-expression. And then, you know, the more I thought about it and I was looking around at references and stuff and looking at fashion stuff and runway stuff and Instagram stuff and just thinking about like, okay, but I want to bring all this to, to every day and to make it seem like this is a great idea to do this kind of makeup on yourself every day for no reason. So, you know, and I think seeing these makeup looks on models coming down a runway is sort of one thing, right? And it's mm-hmm. kind of very fantasy-like and great, but maybe only if you're on stage or you have like a special occasion. But on Euphoria, all the the girls, all the characters are like, you know, they're real flawed human beings. Right. And um although some of them definitely are like models, let's not lie. <laughs> Yes, yeah, puncher comes um, are, to mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then they're all gorgeous, but they are playing these real flawed characters who are really going through all kinds of emotional highs and lows. So I think seeing these makeup looks on real people, real <laughs> people, you know, real characters, kind of just lays that comfortability out to, and or, or I guess is like sort of inviting for for people, for for kids who maybe want to do this makeup, or anybody who wants to do this makeup but feels it's only for occasions or models or something it's like
0: mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Well we we jumped right into euphoria but I do want to learn more about your background. You grew up in Venice, California. I your did. parents were artists. Did they encourage you to kind of like pursue art early on?
1: You know, they were very supportive. They really didn't encourage me one way or another. I think they just sort of supported me in what I wanted to do, which I'm really privileged to have had that mental yeah. experience. You know, I really don't take that for granted. Um, I always did like painting and drawing and stuff growing up and um then got into photography. Then I decided to go to art school in Brooklyn and study yes. photography. Then I decided to be a makeup artist.
0: <laughs> You've had quite quite TV. an evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what type yes, of I artists have... were your parents?
1: So my dad is a sculptor. Um he does he works with stones and he makes these um they look like they're Floating, like a cloud-like formation
0: oh, cool. they're kind of
1: very like zen and it's of sort this really specific kind of form that he does that he just kind of like has been doing for years and years and just won't stop doing <laughs> love that um, so he yeah he's a sculptor and my mom my mom um she works at the getty villa she used to work at the lacma and she trains docents there and then back in the day she was a graphic designer like in the pre-computer graphic designer days
0: Wow. So you grew up seeing people pursue like a creative field, which I feel like it's that really is a luxury. A lot of people don't grow up thinking that they can use their creativity as the same thing that makes them money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 100%.
0: So at what point in your like childhood or adolescence did you discover makeup? I know you didn't decide to become a makeup artist until later, but were you into makeup growing up?
1: You know, I think like standard childhood memories come to mind with like face paint and, and stuff like that, like Halloween and, and whatnot. Um, I definitely remember my limited to pink plastic caboodle,
0: which oh I, oh my had, God, like, you're taking you're- me back. <laughs> yeah, yes.
1: and then, um So what was in there, like glitter, shimmery lip glosses, those like stacks of shimmer powder. So yes. Like, shimmer dust. So I would play around with all of that and then middle school happened that's kind of sad but I'll talk about that for a minute I may have had I've been aspiring jewels for like a moment and then um I so I I had this moment where I dyed my hair magenta and I started like dressing a little bit more like how I like wanted to Mm -hmm. and um I got made fun for it I got called a poser I was at a new school and it like it stopped me like in my tracks and I, I really kind of pulled way back and sort of started, you know, I don't think it's that I wanted to blend in, but I wanted to ride that line of like being accepted, being looked at as, as different, but also like, you know, you know, I wanted boys to think I was pretty, but if, if I wore too much makeup, you know, I'd be like called a slut, even though. I think at 12, I hadn't even like kissed a boy yet. So, you know, some middle school shit happens. It gets in the way. It's interesting because like, and I can talk about high school in a second too, but like, in a way I feel like I've had like these unrequited euphoria looks like in my head (laughs) for years and years. Yes, And it's a little bit ironic that I'm the person who got the job to deliver this, this message to the universe of makeup, as self-expression, because I was not that girl. Mm. So I was like a Cassie and Alexi, like,
0: okay. If okay. That provides any, that any gives, though. that gives me total <laughs> context. Did you, did you feel beautiful though growing
1: up? That's a hard question. I don't remember like childhood, childhood feeling beautiful or not beautiful. I remember knowing that i was beautiful when boys would start to give me attention Mm. okay so i used that as like currency for self-worth i think that's when i had this first like feelings of like oh maybe maybe i am pretty maybe i'm beautiful you know so that that's not great (laughs) well that's (laughs) Um, that's
0: common though for a lot of us like that external validation is like our cue right
1: absolutely it it 100 was this is like middle school we're talking about and um you know, like I grew up and I learned that that's not the case. And I learned how to be myself, and not have to have permission from others. But, um, no, I think, I think it definitely informed like how I've, uh, kind of done my work on euphoria. It mm-hmm. it certainly was like this, this chance to like really do all this. And, and if I can like help any other people that might be in my position who feel a little too shy or like there's rules that they need to follow, or there's like beauty rules, you know, if I can be here to tell them that those don't exist, yeah. then like, that's great.
0: That's great. That's, it's like, it's that's like, all I care about. That's like the revenge of your like middle school self, <laughs> right? Like coming yeah. back to like spread this message in a major way. That's so right. by the time, ta- by the time you got to high school, how had your relationship to beauty changed?
1: I, I really wasn't trying at that point to express myself in any true ways. I really wanted to, I was kind of doing the more like just natural, like boho art girl,
0: Kind yeah, wait. Who were you, and... who were you, like your beauty icons in in high school? Like, who did oh, you think like I want to look like this?
1: God, everybody always told me I looked like Misha Barton from Oh the my O.C. God, that was C I can see I, I can I see that. I think I ran with that. <laughs> You're like,
0: I can do this.
1: Yeah, I think I ran with that, and um, it's it's weird because like my interests weren't really mainstream. Like me and my friends would like watch all of the John Waters movies, go to Rocky Horror. Like I, it's not that I was like wanting to be mainstream I just was like trying to ride this line and like please everybody Mm -hmm. and that's that's really kind of what high school me was it was a bit of like conforming with different kind of groups or cliques to I don't know to see how that made me feel and I think when I got to college I was like fuck this. And just started getting all Brooklyn and art school. Crazy (laughs) (laughs) kid. Right.
0: Because I mean, also, I feel like that adjustment going from... Because I went... So I grew up here in New York City. And then I went to California for college. I went to Stanford, which was just a complete culture shock. Palo Alto could not be any more different. I felt like such a fish out of water. But also going from California to Brooklyn, like, how did just like coming to New York and being an art school student just change your whole approach to self presentation?
1: I don't know, I suppose I was like, really just kind of stripping it all off at that point. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember, like, when I first got there, I was like, you know, really shy and everything. And then I found my group of girls and everyone was like, really different. And I don't know, I guess I just felt comfortable to sort of just put myself out there and be myself for the first time, I guess. And being in Brooklyn was like really free. Like, we would ride around on bikes. I would find like jeans in the gutter and like take them home. And they were like my cool vintage jeans. Like, we would just like, we would do whatever we wanted and we could while out. And, you know, we were like art kids and it was fun. And everyone was like dirty and grungy. And
0: mm-hmm. yeah, it was I feel the
1: undoing like- of all that.
0: All the other stuff. Yeah. I also feel like when you just said like you had your like group of girls, there's like a great scene in Euphoria. I think Jules is like getting ready to go out for some party and like there's this really cool girl that's like doing her makeup. And I feel like that's such yeah. a distinct college moment where you have where you're like with other people and like you guys take turns doing each other's looks. Did you have moments like that?
1: Not so much. Like makeup, I'm, I'm telling you, like makeup was not a thing in my life, like ever. <laughs> like, wow. I mean, we would, We I don't know, we would like, cut hair and cut bangs and like trade clothes and stuff but like makeup wasn't a thing I like wasn't the girl doing makeup I did makeup in sixth grade for a school play I was like putting flesh colored lipstick and like foundation on everybody for some reason like I got this like idea to do that (laughs) um but um Yeah. I was never like doing everybody's prom makeups or like trying new looks on people.
0: Yeah. You were focused on photography, I assume at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, the makeup was not even remotely on my radar.
0: Interesting. That's why this
1: is all like so crazy.
0: I know. I know. (laughs) Well, I also I read that when you graduated, you like cold called um, Oscar nominated makeup artist. Jane Gally, am I saying her name correctly? Jane Galley, yeah. Jane Galley. What like what did you want to learn from her specifically? And like just in terms of like reaching out to people to like get started, like how did you basically connect those dots?
1: Okay, so let me like back up a second. Like after college, I'm in New York. I'm self publishing like photo books and I'm selling them to art bookstores. I'm kind of like figuring out like Oh okay I graduated. I have a photo degree like everybody in New York. It's 2010, 2011 like everybody wants to be a photographer in New York. Like <laughs> I'm like what have I done? I'm interning at this gallery called Gavin Brown in Chelsea. I Okay, yeah,
0: that's literally like 3 blocks from where I live.
1: Get out. Okay. <laughs> so I find myself there and I'm like ah, this like isn't me. I'm making these cool books that I that I love like using um photo- like film photography like I never really went digital the names of those books were one of them was z girl and the snake charmer another was hippie photos and surfer man just to give <laughs> give a vibe Got it. okay um but I was like I love doing doing the books but I was like I I don't want to have to like break in as a photographer into this world and I don't think I want to do that I want to be like my own boss but have a bigger picture and i want to like do something with like helping tell stories like there has to be something meaningful and i, I don't know how to like get this right now here mm-hmm. so a dear friend of mine uh her mother she has this like reputation with all of her friends for like being like this career guru like she's very easily able to like suggest something that's perfect for someone and she said why don't you be a makeup artist for for film and tv like that would be fun you you paint and draw and stuff like go Mm. do that (laughs) um so anyhow i got in touch with this person completely blind i had no idea like what even movie makeup was so i got in touch with this woman jane jane galley and like I, this is like something I just don't even think I would like do now. Like, you don't know, just like cold call like an established person and be like, hi, I want to,
0: I, I cold emailed you and DM'd you. So oh I mean, God, I guess, it, I, I guess it works, but you are.
1: I, well, that's, I guess my life coming to like, a wow, what's going on right now. <laughs> but um, that's not really quite how I feel yet. Yeah. So I called her and she was like, yeah, I'm teaching a course. Like come take my course. It's two weeks long. <laughs> so. I went back to LA where I was from and I took this crash course in like special effects, character stuff, corrective stuff. What I mean by corrective stuff is like covering up tattoos, doing fake tattoos is like a character thing, putting fake facial hair on, like, um, grooming, doing like, um, sick looks drug addict looks sunburned looks like Mm -hmm. western all these kind of character cool gritty stuff i also learned about natural beauty corrective beauty and then like beauty through the decades i guess like we started in like 40s and i just kind of learned some stuff like like a
0: dream course
1: it was quick okay and then she taught me Much more than just those skills, but really how to be a department head. So not just a makeup artist, but somebody who puts their team together, reads the scripts, breaks them down, you know, makes key decisions on whether to outsource something or to do it and work within a budget and how to communicate with directors and producers and how to get like callbacks and how to make sure like my behavior was on point and Mm -hmm. my attitude and what was okay to say yes to and what was like okay to be like, no, I can't deliver that. That's too much. Right. So, you know, she sort of just taught me everything. She brought me on set um, kind of like as an intern a couple times where I just like kind of watched her and like learned what a big set was like.
0: And what, what's some of the work that she's done? Like, what would we know her work from?
1: She has done Walk the Line with Joaquin okay. Phoenix. Okay, yes. Uh, 310 to Yuma with Christian Bale.
0: Love that movie.
1: Um, yeah, she did this film that came out another Christian Bale one a couple of years ago called Hostiles or Hostiles. Oh, is
0: that I remember, the one he lost you know, all the weight for?
1: He was I think regular weight in that, oh, but regular. it was uh, this sort of like western tale sort of more from um a Native American's perspective.
0: Oh, interesting. So okay, I haven't seen that.
1: It's sort of like this this long 1850s journey um you know of like the white man and the native people and it this sort of had a, a little bit more of a perspective like from the natives eyes which was really beautiful and interesting but um yeah that film i was her assistant on that on that one and so i learned you know a lot from her on that job as well every time she took me anywhere like as her intern she basically taught me how to see everything see mistakes that were happening and make improvements so i really learned how to have a critical eye from her mm-hmm. Um, I think my art school background helps me also with that really critical eye, obviously painting and drawing kind of lends itself to makeup with mm-hmm. working with color and texture and all that. But I think mostly really having that critical ability to like look at something and be like, mm. no, it's not good enough or like it, it's it's something is lacking or it needs something or it needs less. So I think that kind of ability was was key in my development as an artist.
0: That's amazing. And over the course of your career, you've been able to work with such incredible directors. Um, Barry Jenkins comes to mind. It's probably like One of the greatest living directors. What was it like working on Moonlight? Like Moonlight, I feel like I was just listening to an interview with um, a cast member from Moonlight and they were talking about like how quickly it was shot. It was shot in like 22 days or something. And they were like, had no idea. 25 days, yeah. 25 days. And there was just like, there wasn't this sense that this is going to become this like, you know, groundbreaking, award-winning film. But obviously it just, it, it made such an impact. What was it like? Like one, how did you get involved um, with Moonlight and what was it like working on that set?
1: Yeah, working on Moonlight was the best time of my life. I really, we were shooting an indie film, Barry and his um, creative producer, Adela Romansky. We had like, (laughs) I didn't have a makeup trailer or anything like that. It was just, everyone was out of like a little family mobile home thing. I got that job because my first ever job Kicks, which is, I think it's like on HBO now, HBO Go or HBO Now or something. That was my first ever feature film. And I met Adela Romanski on that film. She would go on to work with Barry and produce basically everything he's done since and many other amazing projects as well that she's brought me on. So, I mean, that says something about callbacks. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so my first experience working you know on a feature film like i just you know it wasn't a high-paid job or anything it was like a little indie film up in san francisco and i just did the best work i possibly could i focused really hard i put like everything i had learned into that i wasn't even thinking about the future or like what these producers would do next like i didn't know who they were i didn't know what their potential was but i just kind of kept my head down and did the best I could. And then I got a call. I don't know if it was like a year later or I kind of forget what the timing was, but Adela was going to bring me into interview with Barry. So yeah, I, I interviewed with him. He had seen my work on kicks. The cast was mostly African-American. So I think he kind of learned like, okay. Yeah.
0: Like this white girl's even, like, even she gets it.
1: Like I see you <laughs> Yeah, see yeah, what's happening here. And, He's like, and you, this little white girl came in and like <laughs> blew my mind and like all this stuff. He's, he's really great. Um, but yeah, he trusted me with Moonlight, which was epic of him to trust me with that. Cause I didn't have like a huge resume at that mm-hmm. point, you know, but yeah, he trusted me to do that. And I, I was a one woman team on that film. And I, again, just like, I oh, just wow. did the best I just thought how can I make every scene better like what can I do how can mm-hmm. I be like in service to this script because I had read the script before interviewing and knew right away that like I didn't care like what the pay was or what the situation was or where it was like I was going to do, do this do it. yeah um, and you know working on yeah working on meaningful scripts like ooh, that's like everything for me you know that makes mm-hmm. all those hard days and like oh just it's so hard the film industry is so crazy it's so hard but it really makes everything worth it a meaningful script
0: absolutely and the the skin can we just talk about the skin on moonlight because everyone was yeah. just so like like dewy and like gl- basically glowing from the inside out um, and i know that like skin is one of your specialties yeah. as well i'm curious yeah, like how skin <laughs> yeah how do you make you know skin look great like that on camera and also how is it different working with like melanated skin because i feel like that's that's a specialty that Unfortunately, a lot of makeup artists don't nail it for people of color.
1: It's a great question. Yeah, 100%. I've seen that. Um, It's really upsetting to see that. I think the way I was trained was not to see skin in color, not to see skin in light and dark, but to see skin in like undertones and color, Mm. if that makes sense and I always just love this for my own personal preference. I think this comes from me not being the type of person that wears a lot of makeup herself is I always intended for skin to look really natural. If it didn't look natural, I then I had put, I had fucked up in some way. Mm -hmm. So it was my job to like figure that out. You know, like I'm not going to let somebody get out of my makeup chair. If they don't look right, I'm not going to make an excuse. I've heard people make excuses and it's terrible. And you know, if, I think a big thing is communicating. I like to talk to the person that I'm doing makeup on, especially if I'm, if I might be struggling to match their skin tone. And that might be any, any, you know, person with any level of melatonin or melanin. melanin sorry. Yeah. Melatonin is something else. <laughs> any level of melanin in their skin. Like it could be like someone like me who has like pink and like olive undertones. And it's like, well, which ones do I accentuate? You have that conversation, you know, and you say, well, do you, want to look like more warm what do you like how do you like to do your skin what makes you feel good mm. do you like a more you know i typically like more of a dewy finish like i i really that's just like a non-negotiable for me <laughs> um, i love so a dewy I dewy finish. Try to, you know like i mean lots of people love dewy finish and <laughs> you know i just try to communicate that and and sort of gain trust by showing that i care and taking the time yeah, um, I think like having makeup tests and stuff is really helpful. Um, with regard to your question about Moonlight, uh, Barry definitely was like, I want the, the skin in this movie. I want all these black faces to just like glow and look mm-hmm. so beautiful, but so raw. I was like, okay, well, it sounds like we need to use very minimal makeup and use a lot of like oils because we don't want, anybody in this film to look like they're wearing makeup so oils and stuff
0: (laughs) wait so which which oils did you use i need details
1: oh my gosh um okay lots of different ones i used a lot of jojoba oil i
0: remember
1: mahershala ali really liked oh yeah he's an angel he loved grapeseed oil it was just something that he had been using on himself for years which was great i was like oh tell me okay how do you use it he's like everywhere <laughs> like okay great let's go um i think on naomi harris i used a lot of rosehip oil like an organic rosehip oil and that's all kind of like mixed with not so much on the men but very little makeup on the men but like on naomi i would sort of mix these oils or use them as like toppers along with you know their foundation same with janelle monet
0: how amazing Yeah. And Janelle Monae is like so gorgeous. I mean, both of the women are gorgeous, but
1: it must have been so
0: much fun to work with them.
1: Oh, it was. And so like rewarding to see how they came out looking and how Barry and his DP, James Laxton, film everything is just like so raw and so close up. Right. Mm -hmm. But like so, so gorgeous. So beautiful.
0: So, Donnie, can you tell us about when you first heard about Euphoria, like what that whole process was like? Did you have a relationship with Sam Levinson before? Um, how did you hear about the project and then yeah. eventually sign on to take the take the role?
1: So I I hadn't heard of Euphoria. I didn't know who Sam was. I had done a film called Under the Silver Lake, which was an A24 film starring Andrew Garfield. And I got to do some really cool makeups on that show with my team which definitely were like not you know when I think back on it now those were like the first kind of like inklings of of euphoria makeup sort of brewing within me so I did a lot of really bright bold colors and like glitter and fun textures and stuff and rhinestones so I got to do a lot of fun stuff on that film I think well I know that that is what landed me the opportunity to be called in for an interview to come and meet Sam. So Euphoria is produced by HBO and then also A24. So the TV guys at A24 had, had known about my work on Under the Silver Lake in the film branch of A24. Um, and then they, they brought me in to interview with Sam and I did not know that the makeup was like a really big deal at that point. Okay. Um, yeah, I had no idea. It wasn't like, oh, you got, you know, you're going to come into this interview and like, the director really loves makeup. So like, bring your game. Like I, I was just like, okay, it's a teen, it's a pilot. It's about teenagers and like drug addiction. I was like, okay, <laughs> like this. And the, and the pilot was really well written. So I was like, okay, I really want to do this. Um, and I put together a slideshow of images that, and I it definitely had like in, some Instagram pictures, like girls with like peach hair and, and sharp winged liner and like, you know, like fun stuff like that a lot of my my like photography references i'd put in were like nan golden and larry clark i I love
0: nan golden she's like one of my favorite and just her whole like style of photography how she would just like go out and just photograph people having the time of their lives and sometimes she wouldn't even remember shooting her subjects um yeah that's it's really cool
1: too like
0: i know but it's so cool I, that you have that photography background to even know to like, you know, pull those. It probably yeah. helps you to have more of a shared language with filmmakers.
1: You're 100% correct. It, it does. Um, so I'm really thankful for that. And it, it, like photography always kind of like comes back to my life in these different ways. And I'm just, I still love it so much. And all, all my favorites from college, I just still keep really close to my heart. And I use them as references all the time when I'm interviewing for jobs. But anyway, my whole portfolio was like nowhere near as colorful as, um, Sam would, you know, then hire me and tell me like, this is what I need you to do. Like great slideshow, but here's what I want.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And
1: he was like really knowledgeable with makeup. And I remember being really surprised in my interview and kind of caught off guard. And I was like, oh my God, like this guy's vocabulary with makeup is like really impressive. He really knows what he's talking about and like what he wanted sounded amazing i think i think that's when he told me he wanted to you know use the show as his platform to push forward self-expression and kind of bring that bring that into the mainstream
0: that's so cool and so you did you feel pretty immediately like this is like i was meant to do this
1: show i did i mean i there was no doubt in my mind i was like oh this is like i get to keep doing looks like i did on under the silver like like that was so fun and you know i really i am kind of known for this like very realistic sort of like Barry Jenkins style and that is I'm so all about that and that's like my whole training ground but for Euphoria I got to do all that as well still with the natural skin and like the gritty stuff and there's special effects moments and and there's all kinds of non-beauty makeup in Euphoria but I also get to do these like more editorial fashion looks yeah I was like oh this is great and then I realized more and more I was like oh shit, I think this is like probably like my dream job and like probably (laughs) other people's dream jobs. Like, how did I like, what? Like me? Like, so there was, there's that a lot. It's like, okay, I got this opportunity. I don't know how I did, but like, let's not mess this up. Let's try to make this the most it can be.
0: I love that. You have a quote, um, you, uh, you were being interviewed by Vanity Fair and you said, how I use makeup on the show is not only to illustrate who the characters are, but who they need to be in that moment, who they want to be for their own emotional well being, whatever they're going through. Can you elaborate a little bit more on this idea of using mm-hmm. makeup to convey who someone needs to be?
1: I think we, we see that with a, with a lot of the characters. Let me think of some examples, like Maddie's makeup, for example, is yes. is like armor, It's what she needs to survive her teenagerhood, period. Mm -hmm. She Mm -hmm. would never go without it. It helps her feel fierce on the outside. She's really a softy and really quite like romantic on the inside. But it's like her outer shell. I think Jules has probably the most healthy relationship with makeup as self-expression. And I think she uses it more like superhero style. Like, who do I feel like being what do i feel like having my vibe be today like what mood am i in hers kind of more like a mood ring style so cassie's makeup for the winter formal dance in the very last episode was like minimal Uh it was like no makeup so that was a decision that um i made with the actress with sydney sweeney and we were just thinking like what would her character do like she just had this abortion like during that same episode Mm -hmm. which I'll talk about in a minute, because that was when there was the rhinestone makeup when she was ice skating. Mm -hmm. But it's like, what she needed in that moment was like a clean slate. So we literally gave her a clean slate on her face, which just seemed appropriate. And then sitting there with the other girls, it just seemed authentic to what the character would do. So the scene where Cassie is having this like surreal fantasy of herself ice skating and she, her face is covered in rhinestones. Um It's an arcade fire song playing. That's so good. And so that is intercut with her on the, laying on the table, getting an abortion. So in that moment, like that's her, that's, I mean, right. I think that was sort of like a, a drug induced kind of fantasy dream moment, but mm-hmm. still like she's, it, it had to be the opposite of what getting an abortion is. So that was, right you know, what inspired that kind of super fantastical look of her on the ice.
0: That's amazing. And I feel like Kat had such, a, we watched Cat have such an evolution in terms of coming into her own and doing more experimental makeup looks as well. I think she's one of the characters whose makeup I loved the most on the show.
1: Oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> her makeup is just like a wild ride and you just see her get like, build her confidence and, um, What I love about Kat is that she is just trying on all these different looks. She doesn't even know yet, like, which one is going to be, like, her thing. I think right now she's just, like, experimenting, which is really exciting to just see what happens and see what Sam writes for her next season and to see, like, what her makeup evolution will be or if if she'll sort of, like, settle into a particular look or style. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I also, I love the way that you approach um, Rue's makeup as well, because she kind of has this really cool, like tomboy style, but there are moments where like you get the glitter and you get like really interesting things from Rue happening from like a beauty perspective.
1: Yes. So that was Sam. Again, like Sam is the true genius behind everything. I'm sort of like the messenger that (laughs) helps deliver the message. But like, so I'm like, wait, Sam. So like when, when Rue's like at these parties, like you want her like kind of like smudgy and dingy and like she's not really wearing makeup maybe she has like mascara like that's like cruddy and been like smudged he's like oh no like she has to wear glitter like <laughs> she's definitely gonna wear glitter like why not and i was like oh yeah like of course like why am i like art making these girls into like archetypes like they are like nuanced yeah yes she can be a drug addict yes she can like wear glitter to a party like who am i to <laughs> assume right. that like because she's a drug addict, she's, like, I don't know, too, like, doesn't give a fuck to wear makeup. Like, what? That's crazy. So, yeah, no, that was during the pilot. I was, like, oh, okay. And I really kind of understood Sam's brain and how he was thinking about this. So I was, So And then, so I did add glitter. And then he sees her on camera. And he's, like, add more. <laughs> add more. And I was, like, oh, okay. And so I added more. And then I saw her on camera. And I was, like, I get it now. I get it. I get what this show is. Yes. I know how to do my job.
0: That's amazing. And it just sort
1: of clicked and I was like, I know what Sam's looking for.
0: Yeah. I get what we're yeah. doing here. I get what we're doing <laughs> yeah. here. I get what
1: we're doing here.
0: Yeah. yeah. I love you you shared, um, I think it was in an Instagram post, you shared how um that night, that like epic night where like Maddie is, I think she's confronting Nate and she has like the rhinestones on her um, eyeliner. How you wanted it to kind of like look like a knife? Yes. That's because the at the carnival. Yeah. Yes. That was like a big moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's a big that's a big moment for Maddie. I mean, the out- that's inspired, like I guess everything has its kind of main inspiration. Like that was her outfit. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like we need something like sharp and contrasty because there was like the straps on her pants. Uh huh. I don't know if you remember that. Of course. Was, How like, could I forget? It was, like, yeah. And like everything just seemed kind of like high contrast and like line liney. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, okay, this has got to be like a wing. It's got to match. You couldn't really see in the lighting, but it was the exact same color. It was a color that Mac makes the exact same color as her outfit. That sort of like cool, dark, dark purple. Amazing. Um, So that was the color of the wing. And yes, it was lined in rhinestones to sort of like, just match her fierce, mode that she was in that night you know like obviously I know what's coming in those scenes I've read the script so I'm imagining her what is it going to be like when she says when she delivers those lines and has that look mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. every single decision I make it, it directly is is from the script so I always just I start with the script and I end with the script so like is that look gonna work when in that scene because she has to wear it for that whole scene right and all this stuff goes down so I have right. to make sure that what I'm designing is perfect for all of it and makes sense. So yeah, I just, I wanted her eyeliner to be like sharp as a knife in that moment for, for her, like for when she knocks the chili over and then like, it's that <laughs> shot of her just like clapping.
0: Yes. Slow clap. So
1: It's so just good. what needed to happen for that scene.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was per- perfectly
1: executed. I know, was slow clap.
0: I've also, I've read so much about these mood boards that you create for each character. Um, and I also learned that like that kind of the rhinestones on the eyebrow from Maddie came from a Nina Simone image. Are there any other kind mm-hmm. of like surprising references that you've used to inspire some of the makeup looks on Euphoria?
1: I think, I mean, definitely lots of all things glitter and bright expressive colors to me really sort of come from a glam rock moment um, like david I bowie look a lot oh for sure i definitely look a lot into the past decades for, for inspiration like, i i just i love the late 60s i love the 70s and late 70s glam rock era i always kind of like start there just to sort of like get me in the mood <laughs> to like design stuff and then I, I took things from like every single decade really you know like maddie for example has some 1960s stuff going on with like a wing and pastels. But then when her eye shapes get kind of more elongated going out to her temples, you get like something from the eighties. Then of -hmm. course there's a total like nineties influence on Maddie as well. There's stuff I take from, from every, every era. I think like Rue's kind of like smudgy glitter looks are totally like glam rock era. And yeah, it's just about like meshing that all together and like somehow making it make sense for for right now yeah but yeah the nina simone picture really like stuck with me i was like oh yeah that's amazing like she has these huge chunky rhinestones and they're not under her eyebrow are not over they're, they're just on, on the
0: her eyebrow i know so cool yeah and
1: i was like oh okay we're doing that for one of maddie's looks i i, I like talking about that one because it was just one of those moments where like another like aha uh-huh kind of click moment.
0: Yes, when the when the inspiration strikes.
1: Yes, it hits. <laughs>
0: do do you have a personal favorite in terms of like the makeup on the show?
1: I, I really can't say I do. I love them all so much and how how they all sort of like perform together in a scene. You know, some of like the really simple looks on jewels I just like loved so much. I think all the winter formal Looks and all the Halloween looks together.
0: Oh, yeah, love. my
1: favorite. I think Barbie's, ho- I mean, um, Cat's Halloween look with the upside down crosses is probably like one oh, of my
0: favorite looks. From when she was show, like that you know? badass nun, yeah.
1: The badass murderous nun, you know? yeah.
0: That was um, epic.
1: Yeah, it's really hard to pick a favorite because they all like are, are in flux so much. You know, they all have these sort of like character arcs, and mm-hmm. you know, like I have moments from each of them that I that I love the most.
0: Yeah, I'm. I feel like I'm personally a huge fan of Jules's makeup. It's the makeup that I feel. Sometimes I feel like confident, like oh, I could recreate this with like the right neons. And then other times I'm like, when it's like those really like expressive, beautiful, um, just it's like almost like these like avant-garde details. Like I feel like okay, I could never do that, but it just looks so cool.
1: Thanks. Yeah, hers. I I think I definitely had the most fun with hers because there was no limit. There was really I mean, I really had like creative reign over that, and we could basically do what we wanted. We just couldn't do squiggly lines because the director didn't want squiggly lines.
0: Oh, (laughs) the one limitation—it's like it's like free reign, but but, like no squiggly lines.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, No, but doing it was always fun to just sort of like be like, "Hey, what are you wearing today?" Oh, okay, cool. Like, let's. And sometimes I would plan it way before if it was like a really important scene and I had already known what she was wearing. I could take a couple of weeks to plan it. And then other times it was like a split second decision. And that's, that's like really fun. That's kind of like makeup artistry, like as a sport, like it's like, okay, you have 20 minutes. Like, yeah, this is the outfit. Oh no, now she's wearing that dress. And so that dress, like, and it's just this mad scramble and you just do what you can. And they just eventually get pulled from the makeup trailer. And you're like, Oh, okay. And they're like running the set with like all these like eyeshadow palettes and, just trying to and then we, we see it on camera we're like oh, i have to switch that color out or i have to add more so yeah it was really kind of run and gun and just making decisions on the fly sometimes is really how it is a lot on set to be honest
0: I can imagine though that the actresses loved it. Like if I'm on that show, I'm like begging you to like put some sort of setting spray so that I can like go out that night. And like did the actresses ever tell you that they like took the makeup into their like, you know, Friday night.
1: I think Alexa went a couple times. Okay. But um, To be honest, we usually clean them up in the trailer and they went, they went home all, all clean and fresh. And like, exhausted from shooting whatever (laughs) heavy
0: emotional
1: stuff they were shooting that day a lot of the times the makeup would get like totally torn up in a scene you know when crying or like making out or whatever so a lot of the times the makeup would not be in great shape
0: yes yes and as you mentioned As you mentioned that you didn't just do makeup, you did prosthetics too. There's their prosthetic penises. I know that like micro penis that cat totally. encounters is like a moment. Do you enjoy that oh part God. too?
1: Yeah, I love that part. The best part is like having this balance. Like I have these like beauty makeups going that I'm working on, and I'm also I'm applying them, and I'm also overseeing my team apply them, and that's really important, right? Like that is like kind of the backbone of the makeup in the show. But then like Sam's written all this other like wild stuff into the scripts and it's on me to deliver that. So that's when I get to like choose how I'm going to outsource and who I'm going to have make those penises. And then <laughs> I bring somebody in to be the penis handler and oh they God. manage that. And it's like hilarious. And of course we all try to be appropriate and like good and zipped up, but like, it's just, you can't not laugh. <laughs> um, and then there were some, like some, a couple gory Moments, um, there was when Tyler gets beat up by Nate in that like highly disturbing scene in Tyler's apartment. And, um, for that, I had like fake teeth made to be chipped and contact lenses and a couple of prosthetics and then a lot of, um, sculpting work on top of that, just that I did with silicone.
0: So much of your brain has to work for this job. It's like editorial, analytical, oh logic, like logistics, um, operations. Yes. It's just a lot
1: mathematics like yeah teaching stuff like yeah it's really hard it's, yes. it's you know and I fell into it like hard and fast and got hired on these jobs that I think were really hard for me to do and you know, I did them and I learned a lot on them, but like, yeah, man, it is hard with both of your sides of your brain going like that. It's, you just need a really good team to back you up.
0: I'm so grateful, Donnie, that you're sharing more because I think for so long, we knew your work, but we didn't get to see you. And I think one of the first things I saw from you was like, you did a dazed beauty, like futuristic cowgirl thing. And I was really, um, I was happy to see it because you know how a lot of times like a famous example would be Pat McGrath who like doesn't really wear makeup or even when I interned at Vogue I would all these stylists that I admired their work so much I'd see them in the office and they'd have like a uniform of like jeans and a t-shirt and I'd be like wait so do you like not Mm -hmm. even you know sometimes there's like a disconnect (laughs) between the the work and the person but I love to see that you love makeup and you like can go for it and experiment on yourself too like you're actually into it
1: yeah thank you. That means so much. You're gonna make me cry. um it's been you know a struggle to get out of my comfort zone. You know, I've told you a little bit about like growing up and i just i wasn't that self expressive mm-hmm. girl. It just wasn't me and like doing the makeup on euphoria has changed that in myself and in so many other people that like write to me and all that um it's totally like had this like effect of like giving me the courage to go and Mm -hmm. do my makeup however I want to do it now and then post it yeah and um it's really freeing and very fun um it's wonderful practice to just like stay creative and and just be focusing on season two and um yeah it's a cool like full circle moment but it is it really wasn't easy it's still not like when I post a look of myself my heart just starts like beating so fast. I just get really nervous about it, and like I don't know, I'm putting myself out there, and I really like a behind the scenes kind of kind of person. So, um, yeah, it's thank you for
0: acknowledging no, yeah. that.
1: It's not. It doesn't exactly come natural, but I, I really do want to use my voice a little bit more. And
0: yes, um, you're empowering so many people. Yeah, you're empowering so many people, you. so you should continue to lean into that. Okay, I can't, I can't Thanks. let you go without asking you some of your favorite beauty products. So I'm gonna ask you your favorite okay, everyday. Okay, yeah, your favorite everyday beauty yeah. products, and then your favorite glam
1: beauty products. Okay, so I, I really don't wear a lot. Like every day, I'm kind of bad. There's like nothing I really use too much on a daily basis. But I, my thing is kind of like my eyebrows. I really love these pens that all these companies are making now these little like pens that you can just draw on like one eyebrow here at a time yes the one i'm really liking right now is the glossier one and i use
0: people love that
1: it's great because the color doesn't come out too opaque or too thick it comes out like really feathery and fine i use the blonde even though my eyebrows are pretty dark i think that that's it a trick I'd recommend if you want to go for a natural look uh, for sure. Choose a color that's a little bit lighter than your natural hair, your natural eyebrows. I use this hairspray called Aero gel to, to uh, like shellac my brows in place. And I love it. I use it on every single job. I, it, it doesn't have a scent to it. It's just like, it just locks them in. It doesn't look like there's like gel or like product in them. It just beautifully locks them in. And I love it.
0: Um, what do you, what I do you wash- put the hairspray on? Like a spoolie?
1: Oh yeah. Like a, uh, just a spoolie. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like the little disposable spoolie, which I try not to ever dispose of them because you can totally just rinse them in.
0: Reuse. Use, yeah.
1: Again, Um I love a moisturizing facial spritz that like, you know that tight feeling when you like wash your face and you're like, ah, absolutely. Um, so, but, yeah, I hate that. The LA water is like really awful for that. But, um, so I've been using this glow recipe, watermelon spray, which is lovely. And I, I, I really like how that feels on bare skin and how it feels on, on foundation as well that like needs a little life brought back into it. Um, so those are like my, my everyday kind of things that I can't live without. An eyelash curler is also one of those, that does a lot
0: okay which brand which brand eyelash curler do you like
1: i i don't even have a specific brand i use like any any of them it's it's all about and anyone can work you just have to like like if your eyes are like hooded at all like mine kind of are you got to push your eyes like straight out of the way and just get in there and clamp as far down as the root like as far down towards the root as possible okay one strong clamp and that gets them like swing
0: Okay. Pro tips. Love it.
1: (laughs) And so what about your favorite like glam?
0: Like you're really going for it and doing a look
1: products. For sure. Rhinestones from Amazon type in nail art rhinestones. Okay, Try to get ones that are iridescent and that look almost like they're glass instead of plastic. I don't know if they really are glass instead of plastic, but like you're looking for iridescent ones and get the kind that go down into really tiny, tiny sizes of rhinestones.
0: What do you apply the right it's
1: look, go from sort of like, oh, yeah, I use, okay, there's this tool. Amazon makes a, a bunch of them, or I guess China makes a bunch of them. Um, but there's this one made by this makeup artist. It's called uh, the Crystal Katana Tool, and her, her brand is the Crystal Ninja. It's like this stick, and on the end of it is almost like what like a crayon is made of. So like a wax, there's a waxy cone on the end and you just touch it to the rhinestone and it picks up the rhinestone so first i'll put a tiny dot of glue on my face is and then i tool to pick up the rhinestone and you just drop it in so you're not using tweezers tweezers are great for bigger gems but when you have the teeny ones like the ones i've been working with on a couple of the looks i did on my instagram like I cannot pick those up with a tweezer. It's, they're too tiny and they like fly, launch across the room. This tool is amazing. It's like, I think you could also use a crayon. I'm pretty sure it's just like this waxy material that picks up the rhinestone. Let's see. I love individual lashes rather than a strip. I also love half strips lashes. There's this company, Swede, that's making these really beautiful lashes that sort of start in the middle. So they're more like outer outer mm. corner lashes. I, I like a strip too. Sometimes there's always a, a time and place for that, of course. I really love using the little individual kind of clump ones as well. A flesh colored pencil on the lower waterline. Oh, I love that tip. Amazing. And you can't use white. It has to be like No matter what your skin tone is, it has to be like a tannish, light, light tan kind of color or else it will look wild, (laughs) which is great if that's what you want. But if you want to fake that like more awake look, oh my God, I I love that. It just like instantly polishes up.
0: Yes. Any any particular brand?
1: Yeah, I like this one by Tarte called Fake Awake, but I've heard there's this one that Makeup Forever makes. I think it's in a slightly darker shade. And I'm looking to try that one next.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Because um, the, the tart one is great. It's borderline for my kind of light medium skin, borderline a little too light. Okay. Um, so I, have, I would recommend like a slightly tanner, a tanner one, but it really does wonders. Um, I love liquid highlighters as opposed to powder. I love like a liquid one. Waterproof what about? mascara is a must always. Yes,
0: of course, especially when you're dealing with like actors on set. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about the the neon eyeshadows that you find, like I can never get ones that really show up against my skin tone. Like what are like, what are these great neon shadows that you're finding?
1: So they're, they're not shadows. Actually, they are like these little paint pots that you activate with water. And I'll pack them on with a concealer brush. And they'll kind of come out looking like a shadow or like a big color block, but they're not actually, I haven't found eyeshadows yet that ah. are that pigmented, but I will say I'd recommend for you to wear, to get, to just do a primer on your lids, like a light, a, a primer that's lighter than your lid, the tone of your eyelids I see. and do that first. Okay. Um, and that, well, something the primer that's a lot lighter than your skin and you're trying to blend a powder eyeshadow over, that can get a little tricky to make it look really smooth, if you know mm-hmm, what I mean, like the, mm-hmm. the drop off of the primer versus the, in the shadow. But if if you are interested in more of like a color block kind of look, which is a lot of the neon looks were either liners or color block shape shapes on Euphoria, that a primer would work really well and so you you'll, you'd make your shape with the primer and then you pack the color on right on top of the primer
0: amazing and is i i think but i saw I'm
1: still on this road to figuring this out
0: okay one of the brands so that i found out about from you is suva beauty hydra mm-hmm. fx is that a good one is that worth yeah, investing hy- in
1: the hydra hydra liners yeah yeah totally I mean, there's, there's a learning curve to all these neon products because I feel like there's like this grittiness to them. Like they're not, they don't go on like these buttery, smooth, just eyeshadows. They're kind of more like paint. So you need to get the right brushes and you, there is a little bit of a, of a learning curve. Sometimes the, the paint can sort of like get a little too chunky. There's definitely, I'm still figuring out like the best, the best ways to use, to use all of these, but, um definitely definitely worth it to get i mean if you if you're able to get that color on or a liner
0: yes okay i'm gonna try it this is gonna be
1: like a a neon liner
0: nothing like it yes this is gonna be my weekend activity i'm excited to try this
1: um (laughs) yeah go go for it let me know if you if you come across any cool other neon products that work for you i'm like on the lookout constantly and i've been in touch with a lot of um makeup lines and stuff
0: Okay, amazing. I will definitely let you know. Um, I have, (laughs) I have a final question for you, and this is a question I ask every single guest who comes on Naked Beauty. But the final question is: When do you feel most beautiful?
1: Definitely, like when I'm just in the moment, when I'm creating, when I'm when I'm like working, I'm in the zone. I think that's when I feel the most confident, and therefore also most beautiful. And just like authentically beautiful. And it doesn't matter if I'm wearing makeup or wearing makeup in that moment. But like for me, like when I get out of my head, that's when I'm able to feel these feelings. <laughs>
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you so, so much for sharing um, so much with, with me and with the listeners today. Um, <laughs> I do want everyone to follow you on Instagram if you want like euphoria looks from the source because I love seeing the experimentation that you're doing um, lately and I find it so inspiring. So I will link to your Instagram so everyone can follow you there. And just thank you so much again for making the time to do this. I really appreciate it.
1: You are welcome. Thank you for being my first podcast. Yay. (laughs) Um, No, it was such a pleasure talking to you.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Donnie. Okay. Wasn't Donnie just so fantastic. I loved talking to her. I have so many takeaways. The first takeaway is how your experiences as a young person can shape your work as an adult. So maybe you were silenced when you were younger. So you use your role as an adult to empower other people's voices. She was always developing these euphoria looks back in middle school. Um, and it's just interesting to hear how those seeds of her early makeup experimentation showed up in her work so many years later. Takeaway number two. When you have a small role, a small opportunity, you have to give it a 100% of yourself because you never know where people will go. She talks about working on this small indie film in San Francisco, but the creative director of that film then went on to work with Oscar-winning Barry Jenkins. And then she found herself working on Moonlight and then she found herself landing this dream job with Euphoria. It just really goes to show that it's always worth giving 110% of yourself for small opportunities because you never know where they will lead. Takeaway number three, just how intense makeup design is for film and TV because you have to think about the script and character development. And there's all of this trust between the director and the makeup artist. I loved hearing her talk about Sam Levinson, the creator of Euphoria, and how he played such a critical role in the development of the makeup for the show. But it's probably one of the most matrixed, nuanced roles there is. I feel like in another life, I would have loved to be a beauty director on film and television. It's just It takes so much storytelling and insight and creative vision. And I really gained a new appreciation for how difficult that job is. And then takeaway number four and final takeaway. I loved all of her tips for achieving euphoria makeup at home, like ordering iridescent nail rhinestones, um, spraying your brows with hairspray. The fact that the neon eyeshadows are actually neon paint pots activated with water. And then if you do want to do a shadow, adding a light primer if you really want that shadow to pop. So I love neon eye looks. I feel like I need to do more experimenting with them. So I'm definitely going to try out her tips dm me guys let me know at naked beauty planet what your takeaways were for this episode let me know if you've been inspired to create new looks or just you've been inspired by her story in general i really thank you guys for listening thank you for supporting the show for taking the time to rate and review the show on apple podcast it means a lot to me and so much love to all of you for listening and for being supportive of this show i will be back next week with a new episode